0: thanks again for joining us. This is the second part to our podcast series looking at all things leadership. Today's episode is focusing on leadership in terms of teaching, coaching, and mentorship. Thanks again for joining us on the podcast and for Kevin Bennett for organizing today's discussion. We're speaking with podcast guests Ron Spateri, Christopher Morgan, Neil Corden, Zanny Christofferson, and Alan Munts. Hope you enjoy the podcast and over to Kevin.
1: Question, the role of a leader, is it to mentor, teach, or coach? Let's discuss this one. Ron, I'm going to come to you first.
2: Hey. Kevin, look, I find this a a fascinating question, the whole role of a leader and, and where they fit. I've always lived by the philosophy if someone's not performing, the first place to look is at their boss. And to put this in the context of, of a real role of a, a leader, I personally feel that the outcome of great leadership is great performance by the team that they lead. But given this, the primary role of a leader at any point in time will depend on the performance of their team. So a great leader is going to problem solve this performance and determine what it is that they need to be doing. Should they be Focusing their time on communication, inspiration? Should they be mentoring, teaching, coaching, or supporting? Or should they be going and doing? I think it's important for what are we trying to achieve and leadership's about enabling your team, empowering your team to deliver the results that the team's been set to uh charter to, to deliver upon. Furthermore, we, we like to talk about goals as either being away goals or toward goal, which has got some relevance to this conversation. So if we're talking about an away goal, it's really about rectifying a deviation from the standard that we've set. So when I talk about standard, I'm not talking about being prescriptive. It's about the outcome that the team's trying to achieve. So an, an away goal is really moving away from a bad state to a good state. There's the alternate there of having a toward goal. So a toward goal is where we move from a good state to a better state. So that's That being that forward-looking, forward forward-thinking. Uh, forward so either way, the goal of or the role of a leader should be about responding to the true root cause to the issue at hand and what is the right course of action that that leader should take going back to the, at times that we'll be mentoring, at times that we'll be teaching, at times that we'll be coaching, at times we're going to be doing some other things as well. Um, So I think that's what, to me, really drives the role of a leader.
1: Great. Okay. Zani, do you
3: want to go next? Sure. So for me, I think the leader must be effortlessly able to transition from one form of leadership to another. So between mentor, teacher and coach, however, must serve the developmental needs of the individual that they serve. So they've got to be able to transition based on who they're developing or mentoring, teaching or coaching at the time.
1: So I think we're back to something we were talking about on the first session as well as about that being aware of where you are in that terms of the cycle and the level, but also having that real emotional intelligence to understand where the person you're working with is
3: and what they need to be able to progress forward.
1: Yeah, which I think is back to what, you know, with what we're saying and what Ron was saying there is, is that leader having that awareness of where they are, where the person is, where the business is and going, what is the right situation here? Is it just a simple misunderstanding or is there more to this? And then we need to unravel that and understand that. So I think it's um, it's, it's an interesting one. And, and again, when Eric and I were we're talking about this, it's one of those about thrown in the middle and going, let's just try and work out where we are with this and, and, what, and what people are thinking. So- well, Alan, can I come to you, please? Yeah,
4: quickly thinking about it, I'm a f- fairly visual person. So if I was to draw a Venn diagram of, of that with a circle for each, I think there'd be a significant bit of overlap. So some of the underlying skills, if you like, mentoring, teaching or coaching would significantly overlap. And to yours and to Zanni's point to a degree, there's transitioning between the three. And if you go back to the old situational leadership type model, where teaching would be sort of right at the bottom end where someone's not overly competent or confident. So you're in a more of a direct teaching instruction role there. And as people become more competent and confident, um, you're moving more to that mentoring, or sorry, more to the coaching approach. If I look at then what's the difference between teaching and coaching versus mentoring, I think there's this power dynamic, this, this internal relationship. Personally, I'd be more comfortable with describing a leader, depending on the situation, the teaching and coaching role. Because for me, leadership is about developing your people. Now, whether that's formal education for them, or teaching them, or providing the coaching role, I think a, a leader or a manager is much more in in the coaching space. For me, mentoring is probably a little bit different because of the power dynamic, the reporting relationship, and what is a mentee looking for from their mentor. Often, those conversations can be a little bit different than if you're doing that with your direct your direct leader or manager so for me mentoring is probably a different relationship inside or outside an organization so a mentor Probably not your direct, your direct line leader, but definitely your, your direct line leader in, in a teaching or coaching space as part of their role of developing their people and their team.
1: Yeah, and I think the interesting there for me, Alan, you talk about the situational leadership, is about, you know, one of the key problems there is about the mentor mentee being in the wrong boxes. I actually need this, but you've gone and put me in this box, and mm. which 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 doesn't help. And I think I'm with you on that. If you drew the Venn diagram, you know. I think tradition is you try and draw it and you try and guess how much of an overlap. I think in the new, in the environment we're dealing with now, that Venn diagram is moving all the time. You know, mm. And it's that ability to respond to that. This is yeah. ambiguity and this agility, but it needs to be on both sides because it's about also asking the person, you're, you're, you're the, the mentee or whatever, going, well, what do you think you need? Yeah. You know, because about where we're going. So I, I just had in mind when you talk about the visual about, I don't think you can draw it, because it's so unique to the situation and the people. It's about the more you understand what's the right now, what's needed now is where it becomes effective.
4: Just picking up on that, then it's asking the individual, where are you now? And I think that's, that's possibly a difference between coaching and versus mentoring. Mentoring is about the, very much about the mentee and what their needs are. So the relationship is the mentee pulling on the mentor for that development, where coaching is probably a little
5: bit more of a two-way street.
1: Okay. Chris, so what do you think? The role of leader, mentor, teach, coach?
5: Look, traditionally, I've always considered it the, more of that facilitating. You're there to enable them to do their job that's seen as the leader's main role is to enable everyone to be able to do what they do. However, I think it is still very fluid, much like Alan says. It's a fluid back and forth and it all depends on where that person is at any given moment in the day, not even sort of overall. I think things can happen that can mean that, you know, if you walk out there and try and coach them and their mindset isn't right because of other issues, then it can all just explode on you. And it's incumbent on the leader to be able to pick that up. And that's a skill that I don't think you can be taught. I think it is definitely one that you you either have or you don't. Coming back to what we talked about last week and, and one was saying about you're born with that being able to read people and i think being able to read where they're at often with very little information about what's been going on especially in the current climate where there's lots of things going on outside of work that have far more impact on how they behave at work than things you can see and you've seen happen but there's a bit of a minefield there where you you sort of yesterday i was dealing with this person this way but something's happened outside that's caused the stress and now today i'm going to come on and carry on the way i was yesterday and they've switched off and they're not listening and then you've got to try and change gears really rapidly so i think it's, it's very fluid i think you're correct in not being able to draw it. I think it's very much being able to read where that person is at that particular time and then determine, do I offer advice? Do I ask them how they think they should do something and then build it as you go? So it's very much an on-the-fly engagement, which doesn't make it easy.
1: Okay, I think we are learning that one even in our just first couple of sessions here, being able to really pick it and, and draw the solid diagram. A bit like we go back to Alan's moving Venn diagram here. I think that's almost one of the things where we struggled with before. We've read a book, seen a diagram and gone, oh, I'm going to apply that. And then you walk in and apply that and you go, <laughs> hang on a minute. That's just not the same order or the same size or or the same yeah. split and our ability to deal with that. And as you say, this about what's happening outside, because I think especially around this emotional intelligence one and how we work with people and develop people, a lot of the outside influences have been way past business and normal way of working. But also then having the workforce, having enough trust and you building up the credibility as a leader that they're then willing to come in and take that on board is an important part because we haven't built that credibility and that trust that they can come to you and go, this is where I am. What do I do? Or can you help me get there? Then, you know, the void becomes even larger in in terms of where we're going. And and Eric just listened to a couple of podcasts over the weekend. And this is why I'm interested around some of that analogy, and uh, as some of you may have may not have come across it. Obviously, how about from a military point of view, how they develop in terms of scenarios and, and assessments? assessment? So, to too sure of how much any of the group is that involved with the military, but you know there is this ability of building that confidence and mentoring in real environments, but with a real supportive framework around it. You so see, you're pushing people, but you're also supporting them, coaching and mentoring at the same time.
0: Uh, what I what I learned from the Military podcast that I did, and um, it was clear with every individual that I spoke to uh, on that podcast that they were developing leaders at every level of the military. So you're developing your leadership skills for for the next leadership role above you, and that's a very different, I think, philosophy to the corporate context. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but I think in the military context, they're constantly looking at both teaching, coaching, and being a mentor, and wrapping all that up what I picked up from the discussions were that if you were to lose the leaders above you, for whatever reason, you've got to be very much prepared to step up and they are training you before those scenarios to know, when you need to apply those leadership skills and when to step back. And it's the nature of that context in which they operate. And this is one thing that I think is often missed in discussions around is a leader, a coach, a teacher, or a mentor is the context in which you operate. I've gotten a lot more in my development from my peer network that I consider our mentors. Dealing with other CEOs in other organizations in the seafood industry has helped me to be a better leader because I've been able to bounce ideas off them. And they've given me that ability because they have no skin in the game in the organization that I work for and are happy to take me to task on things because essentially, I either listen to what they say or I don't. I think that's
5: one of the reasons and I totally agree. I think having someone who's got absolutely no skin in the game and is looking at what you're doing with fresh eyes can have far more sway on the leaders than someone like myself saying, "I think you need to change the way you're doing something." It's almost like I've got a, you know, I've got a stake in it. I designed it. Therefore, even if I tell them to go to, okay to change it, in the back of their mind it isn't. Whereas you get someone who's completely external says, If you tried doing it this way, it's like, oh, hang on, that's a good idea, we might try that, Um, which is why we push, try and push all of my team leaders to go to as many events and things as possible and and rather than monopolise them for myself. Trying to get those people out and getting other people in, I think 100% you're you're right. Those people's opinions and thoughts often have far more sway than
1: mine. I think it's, it's it's an interesting point there because I think it's about then what's the role of the leader to make that happen. So it doesn't then sit on the leader completely because part of that might be the discussion where the leader is saying, do you know what? I am not the right person. So what's the other way that we can help you become a better leader, mm. you know, build your capabilities and sometimes being able to go, well, maybe I'm not the right person or, you know, it's the right department. You hear a lot of times, you know uh, with graduate programs you know where they move them around the whole of the business so um, they're just not they're there to look at the rot. you know they're there to understand the different roles and functions in about do I get to like it? But I was talking to a couple of members last year about their programs, but what they've also learned is about, it gets those people dealing with other people. So they're having to deal with their, work with them for two or three weeks where they're having to deal with them on their different leadership styles, how they work, how they have conversations and they're they're encouraged to go in and explore. So, you know, I think when we're we're talking about this whole, you know, fit for future, future fit and and the leadership capabilities, I think we've also got to realize that, it's not solely on your leader or a leader to do that for their people, but they can be helped support that process sometimes to go outside and try something different, go and listen to a podcast or, or go to an event or go to a forum or, or just go to visit somewhere, you know, just go and sit somewhere. You can go, hang on a minute. That just now resonates with me. Or oh, actually, no, I don't agree. I think this is about this looking internally and externally. We, we, we've got to get our heads around it. Zanny.
3: Yeah, I think it comes back to the leader being self-aware and understanding mm. again the um, the person that they're serving, what they need in order to develop and putting their ego aside again to make sure that they are developing the next generation of leader that's going to be better than them.
1: I think it's, it's a great, and I don't know how much you see that from a family business. So, you know, the family business going around, we've got this, this is where we started, this is where we worked, and and obviously you've got the family values and things like that that can go both ways, I assume.
3: Yeah, I'm probably lucky in terms of I was thrown into a leadership position at a very young age, so 25 years old. I took on the manufacturing facility, so I went from never managing people to having 150 um, underneath me. So I learned my lessons very hard and fast. I learned what not to do very quickly. And I think as well just that hunger to learn and to be exposed to different types of people and, again, reaching out to peers and building my network out has really given me that ability to
1: understand what good leadership looks like so Ron can I ask in terms of because you will have and and Alan as well so it's a bit of a both but do it so you'll have organizations come to you with a an away question you know or a go a go towards is how much of it is really physical organizational stuff compared to the how much is talking about I want you to develop our leaders And, and is that shift changing because it's a very traditional, it could be, look, just fix this for me and the people will follow. So is there a shift happening in this whole leadership capability discussion?
2: I wouldn't suggest as a shift, to be honest. I think it's always been recognized that in order for a business to go through any sort of transformation that is sustainable, the leadership development is mandatory. If you do not get that leadership developed, then it, it will not be a sustainable outcome. And I don't think there's been any more of a, I guess, an adjustment to that belief or feeling. I think it's it's been there for quite a while that sustainability of an outcome requires leadership development, leadership participation, the engagement of the employee base in order for it to become, essentially for it to become cultural and therefore accepted as the way that we do things now. And importantly, when we talk about, you know, changing or transforming, Uh, organisational systems, you know, business processes, management systems. It's not about locking into a new one-way doing things. Part of the success of achieving an organisational transformation is recognising the ongoing agility requirement. And part of that agility requirement is is going to be delivered through that leadership development.
4: Alan? I think Ron's absolutely correct that for organisations to go forward, they they need to make a commitment and take that commitment forward and. Not just a, a training exercise. It's not just. You know, given my background from 3,000 kilometers to the southeast of here, I use this, the sheep dip analogy. It's not you know you stick someone through through the through the sheep dip and they come out the other end transformed from a training event. It's about having a process by which it's a multi multi factor process by which you develop people and a commitment. And the key thing is the organisation's will that they're committed to it. And it's great to, you know for TXM going in to do do significant continuous improvement, change and focusing on the leadership. So you're doing it from a from a, a full systems perspective. So some organisations, I don't think there's been a significant change from a percentage of, of organisations that, that are taking that, that, that holistic approach. And then you get some organisations that say, oh, we need to do a little bit of supervisory leadership development here. And I'm, yeah, I'm thinking of one example, talking to an organisation and sitting down with them and saying, well, is this as much a systems or process or structural issue as well as a skill issue. Now the, the example I'm I'm thinking of is is working talking to an organization about doing some supervisory development and identification, but at the same time listening to what they're saying and and, and getting a sense that that there were other contributing factors. So be it Paying conditions or reporting structures that there is support inside the organization for the, once you've developed a leader, is there support that they, they know who they are reporting to, that they can go for problem solving, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it comes down to an organization taking a, a holistic and multi multifaceted view rather than just saying, we're going to have a fronting piece over here. And I, I think there are still organizations that do both, the, the ones that are very committed and take that multifaceted approach, and others that think, oh, well, we can just do a quick fix. Those ones won't work. To Ron's point, it's about you know taking it forward and being committed to it.
1: Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to quickly come and ask Chris and Danny as well. So I'm really keen to understand is that I think you're right. I think it's, it's always been there and always been an awareness. So I was just really intrigued to say, but it's really been called out more. That's what I suppose is. Um, I think we, we knew leaders were had to be part of that transformational process, but our businesses really calling this out more. Is it being seen as a gap? Is it really being seen as a, as a development area, which is going to sustain the business? So, so Zannie and Chris, and I'm, we're coming into the last few minutes here. So, you know, from an organizational point of view, I think we've always been aware that we need leaders and everything else. Is that becoming more of a focused attention now and a more real driver? Or is it just still part of, where we're looking to take the business forward. Who wants to go first?
3: So from a Priestley's point of view, we've always spoken about it. But as part of our enterprise excellence journey, we have started to look to leadership skills matrices and make sure that we're reviewing the leadership skills matrices and then also the leaders within the organization and outlining where there are gaps so that we can start to develop them internally as well.
1: Yep. They've really started to call out those specifics and review with the team as well on that journey. Chris? I think it's,
5: again, it's not a new thing. I think it's always been there as, as a, an objective is that if you've got good leaders, you'll get good teams and so on and so forth. Getting them, on the other hand, seems to be a harder issue these days than it has been previously. We've also learned a lot of lessons where at times it's hard to bring someone in when you identify that there's a skills shortage. So, like, okay, I'm going to get someone external that's got those skills. And that has failed spectacularly because they just don't fit the culture. Even though they've got all the skills, all the background, they're, they're obviously very, very good leaders. The cultural thing starts overtaking that and it just doesn't work. That is never get the opportunity to actually show what they've got, which means you then fall back to saying, OK, what have we got? Let's try and build that up. And that becomes a bit of a hard slog because that's the trying to work when you're already working at two or three other jobs. You now have got to add the job of learning and, and coaching a, a new leader. I'm not sure there is a, a, a right answer to that. It's just part of the grind.
1: Oh, I, I think this just goes on to the, the growing list of topics, Eric, that um, keep coming out of this about how do we do this? What's it look like? You know, where can we learn from each other? And, and learn from different industries and, and different sectors, but it's it is coming back to what's right for the organisation, your people, your team, and and the journey you're on. And I think that's what really makes the whole. You can't put it into a diagram. You know, you got, got an outline, but you need to come up with what's right for for you and and your businesses. So, Eric, unless you've got anything else, I'd like to go just to our key takeaways from the session because that hour has gone twice as quick as it did last week. For me, which which has been fantastic. So, I, I want to just um, some just some key takeaways from from the discussions that we've had today. So, Alan, I'll come to you first. Key takeaways.
4: Thanks for coming to me. I was still thinking about that, Kevin. But anyway, um, <laughs> look, I think think as we go through, it reinforces that that there are some leadership first principles that leadership is founded on, and that we are seeing things moving quickly, and that there, there are some things we we need to be focusing on for the future. But yep. It comes back to, I think, there is, there is some some core leadership pieces that are important. And and the, the other one is that we've just been talking about in the last couple of minutes is is this this need and will to do it. Are organisations in a position? Are, are, the, are they willing to put the time and effort into
2: it to, to develop?
1: Fantastic. Ron?
2: I guess I'll give you two key takeaways. So the first one is just the sheer complexity of the, the subject matter. You know, the more you talk about it, the, the more directions you could possibly take it down. And you know, with with every statement, there's another five topics that you can you can dig into and, and flesh out in itself. But linked to that as well in as a key takeaway is the importance of understanding what leadership role we're talking about. So part of the complexity is if you try and address this from a a broad statement of leadership, then there are just so many perspectives that you could end up with that it becomes more complicated and more difficult to be aligned. The the overlaying what leadership role or contribution is makes it a uh, it provides a completely different answer to if you were to focus very specifically on. This particular role and then explore that further.
1: Great. Thank you. Zanny.
3: Thanks. So I really like the concept of reverse mentoring and making sure that this is intentional throughout the business. So certainly something that I'm going to take away and think about a little bit more and make sure that it is embedded within our business.
1: Yep. Great. Okay. Thank you. And Chris.
5: Again, I think as, as you're saying, I think the fact is this is not a it is a very, very complex issue and it's different for every single individual. And that makes it even harder to put a pattern around it or to put a plan in place because each individual's different and each individual is different on a different time of day and a different day. So yep. having to develop these plans, you may be just throwing them out the day after you start them because something's changed. So it's a really complex issue. That is basically what keeps us employed, I guess.
1: And I, I, I think there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's obviously a whole bunch of stories and, and themes that are coming out of that. And I think, you know, a couple of things for me, Eric, and I'll, I'll hand to you about. I think the, the whole future fit leadership in terms of the internal and external I think factors and, and how we handle that ambiguity and that agility. There's almost that, that tech we talk about technical soft skills. And I think that's something I really would like to explore, explore that a little bit more. And and this whole dynamics of picking up what is the right, what is the right leadership position to take when you're when you're faced with something. So you know, is it is it a teach moment? Is it in the right environment? What the person I'm I'm talking to or or working with, what's the best outcome for them? And the business is again is just one of those things we need to start develop. It's not about this is what I would do or this is what you need to do. And being humble enough to accept that you may not know and you may need to go to somebody else is something which is I think is we've, we've got to become more accustomed to. So that that would be my my couple of takeaways, Eric.
0: Uh, I've got one for each for the future fit leaders. The thing that keeps coming back to me from the discussions in a big way is organizational capacity to me that and that encompasses do we have the internal ability to deal with this question and that i think is different for each organization it comes back to what you're all saying about bespoke or tailored responses to what you need at different levels of leadership. I think that can only be addressed in the organizations themselves, but I think the principles are still there. I, I, I'm hearing what Alan's saying about leadership fundamentals, and, and we can argue about what those are till the cows come home and it'll keep the podcast stuff coming out. But fun, the fundamentals discussion, I think is an important one. And the second point for me around, and it was a really interesting question, this, this leader as either teacher, coach or mentor, I think one assumption that I, I made in that question was, does the leader have the capacity to do some of those things? So just because you're a gun leader and you've got vision and you're taking people with you, and you're a good communicator, doesn't necessarily make you a good teacher, coach, or mentor. That These are skill sets that I think you build over time if you want to be that but they can identify other leaders that are great, but not necessarily going to be the best mentors. And I think you get to those states of being, I think as you experience the world as a leader and a human being, as you get older and more experienced in the workplace, if you've been open to lifelong learning and open to being a decent human being and want to be around other people, I think the ability to be a mentor is there for the taking if you want to do that, and I think it gets complicated. And Ron spelled that out quite nicely that this gets the the layers of the onion get are there to be peeled away. But it's worth having that conversation because the fact that businesses are still having these conversations suggests that we haven't quite found the right mix, and it keeps it interesting. So, yeah, they're they're my two, uh, Kevin.
1: Okay, thank you, Ray. Well, can I thank uh, Zanny, Chris? Ron, um, Alan and Neil for your contribution over these last couple of sessions. It's been been one of those that you ask the questions and go. OK, I'm going to learn a lot, but I think it's also opened a whole bunch of other questions and, and thought processes, which I think is part of what we're looking to do with these series. So uh, I think we're going to look forward to some future podcasts here on on different topics and, and different themes. And and um, I'm very thankful for for this group being part of the very first Talking Leadership Best Practice Network podcast series as well. So thank you very much, everyone, for for the last two sessions. And we look forward to uh, having you involved in, in future sessions and podcasts. Thank you very much, everybody.